You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Hello, Queerstians. We are so happy to have you here, and we just want to remind you that you can still go to Audible and get your free download on us. It helps us out, and it helps you out. You get a free book. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash queer. your week been um what have i done this week it's been actually i was sick this week you were yeah with what i don't know i just like got sick on monday and then i was out of work for a day and a half so you're just like i don't know what's wrong with me i'm i do feel well i'm just sick i had (laughs) i had a stomach ache i i i didn't feel well on monday all day and i was like all right i'm just gonna go home take a nap and then the next day I woke up and I was going to cha- train with my trainer. And like on the way there, I was like, I really don't feel good, but I'm fine. I'll be okay. We start working out. And then I like start like passing out. And then I, f- I finally... Have you been drinking I- enough water? Well, I mean, I drink the same that I do every week. I usually have a glass of water because I go to the... I train with my trainer first thing on Tuesday mornings, like sometimes 7 a.m. So I wake up, I have a glass of water and I go to the gym and then I have a bottle of water with me. And then on the way home, I, like, passed out on the side of the road. And then Oh, my God. Got, Were you driving? Well, I was, like, I knew I passed out a lot in life, <laughs> thanks to my drinking days. So I know <laughs> when I'm about to go. <laughs> so I was, like. I see it. It's coming. <laughs> exactly. I, I could feel it. I was, like, you better pull over now. So I did. I, like, whipped over to the side of the road, and I passed out. And then I came to, and I got up, and I oh got all the way to the You apartment. were at least on the side of the road. Yeah. Like, Jesus. How long were you out? You know, could have been kidnapped and murdered. It was only a few minutes. I didn't like pa- like. There's a lot. There's like. There's like passing out, and there's like, you know, where you just like you you go out for a minute, or and then you come to, and you're like, and you feel like you've been passed out forever, but really you've been passed out for like two minutes. The first time I ever passed out, I was in high school, mm-hmm. and I was on um, antidepressants at the time, and I read like what they do to like your brain, how they like prevent your brain from producing like certain chemicals or whatever the whole I don't remember but like any kind of medical thing like that like fucks with my brain like I don't know it really stresses me out so I just like blacked out on the floor (laughs) then the most recent time have you heard the story about when I got my blood drawn most recently yes I did oh my god so tell people please (laughs) I was at I went to see a new doctor um because I hadn't been to like a real doctor in eight years why go to one, right? Exactly. I was fine. I was perfectly healthy. Get tested, kids. Um, well, no. I've been... I was obviously tested for those kind of things, but, like, I hadn't gone to, like, a doctor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you're just getting tested for, like, HIV and AIDS. What about cancer? Cancer is also a, a deadly killer. Well, yeah, but I don't know. I felt invincible, I guess. So, anyways, <clears throat> I went to the doctor, and they were like, okay, well, we're going to do blood work, you know, since you haven't been in so long. Just make sure everything's going right. So I go in there, and now I have this really big issue with needles. I'm godly terrified with them. Which, by the way, when I was a store manager at CVS, uh-huh. I got my flu shot for, like, the numbers. And I was literally sitting there, and the um, person was coming over with the needle. And as the store manager, I'm sitting on this chair like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And all the customers are like, what's happening? But anyway, so I'm at the doctor, and I was like, all right, you're just going to fucking do this. You're going to sit there, and you're going to go through it. So I sat down in this chair, and, you know, they like, rubber band your arm or whatever they do um and then she was drawing the blood and like i could feel myself like getting spacey but i was like you're fine you're a fucking grown man you can (laughs) you can do this you can do this and then she takes the needle out and she turns around to like put it in the storage or the machine like whatever Uh they do and she turns back and she's like 
you're really white. Are you okay? And I was just like, I'm going down. You said I'm going down. Yeah, it was like, I'm going down. So long, Angela. It was literally like, I'm going down. And then she's like, what do you mean? Oh, my God. And now, mind you, this isn't a doctor's office. This isn't like in a lab. Like, you know how sometimes you go get your blood work. You have to go to like the hospital or to like a lab. This was in the doctor's office. So this nurse like runs out into the waiting room where there's like children waiting. And she's like, I need a doctor. I need a doctor. (laughs) Is there a doctor in this doctor's office? Somebody help me. I need one. I need a doctor. (laughs) So I'm causing this huge, massive scene in the doctor's office. Like just because I didn't want to tell her that I passed out because I thought I could do it. Yeah. Wow. So I probably scarred a lot of children. They probably, probably did. Like, they, they were there for their flu shots or whatever. Their blood test, yeah. Their blood test for school. And, and they're like, nope. <laughs> ball. Or better yet, they're like these six-year-olds that are sitting, you know, they're perfectly fine. And you're like passed out on the floor. Well, the best part, I think, like to my memory, like the best part that I still laugh about today is that I'm going down because like her face was like, do I laugh or do I freak uh, out? But for a moment, she probably thought you were joking. And then she saw you like go down and she was like, oh, no, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, well, which speaking of children doing things better than you, this reminded me something I did do this week, which somehow my fiance convinced me to do paddleboard yoga, which is yoga on a paddleboard in the middle of the fucking ocean, which I do not do yoga first at all, ever, for any reason. I have never paddleboarded before in my life. And we get there to this dock and this woman comes up and she gives us all a hug. And she's like, mm-hmm. Hi, Did she put like peppermint here. oil in your hair? No, but I'm sure she would she would have if and, she like, could have. Ding chimes over she your was like, the most ding. yoga person I've ever seen. And she was like, Hi, thanks for coming. I'm so excited to do this. So then she's like has us on the dock, like practicing what we're gonna be doing. And I was like, There's no way in hell I'm gonna do this. She's like, I want you to get in a plank. I'm gonna have you hold the plank. I'm gonna have you flex your feet, open your hips, which I don't know what the fuck that means. Open your hips, flex your feet, raise your right hand leg above your head and then she's like and we're gonna do this out on when we're out on the paddle boards it's really important to keep your balance and i'm like what the fuck bitch who is doing this did you have a life jacket i did have a life okay, jacket good. which is important because i promptly fell into the water like within about two minutes of getting out there like i was just learning how to paddle and she's like just paddle a little quicker and i one thing i was woof, off into the water just me floating around on this paddle board just trying to maintain my balance while everybody else is doing all these freaking headstands and shit and then this goddamn little 11 year old girl is there she's just fucking going to town she's got her legs bent all over her head she's got one hand on the ground one hand in the air and i'm like hanging on to the paddleboard about to flip off so yeah it was a great experience that sounds like a lot of fun oh yeah what did i do this week i i played video games a lot surprise mm. if anybody's surprised well, I by that know. i know never. i never would have thought that either <laughs> uh i feel like we went out I feel like I left the house at some point. Did David something. have a show? I feel like you oh, should leave the we house. we did you know? our... Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm like, did I step outside my house? <laughs> no, we'd had our like official anniversary dinner. So David's oh, brother yeah. was staying with us for a while. So we didn't have as much money because, you know, we were supporting him and everything. Um, but he left to go back to his mother's house. So... so we had our like official anniversary dinner. We went and had like a bottle of wine and... Oh. That whole fun thing. Um, And then, yeah, we just went on little adventures. Nothing like, nothing like your story. Just little, like, little outings. You know, she does it, like, every Friday, so if you guys want to do paddleboard I can't swim, so. But I really want to see you. Do you Oh, no, you can't. Oh, my God. One time, Paul (laughs) nearly drowned both of us because he never told anybody that he could swim, so we all went swimming in the lake one day, and Paul decides, and we're all swimming over to this rock. Okay, wait. They all left me, and they were like, bye, loser, we're going to the rock. And I'm like... Okay. Okay, you're not 10. You're not a child. You're like, oh, well, I can't swim. I guess I'm not swimming out to the rock. But no. I didn't want to be alone. I was with... Oh, my God. I was alone, so I decided I was going to join everybody else and swim across the lake. And then I almost drowned. And then we came to get Paul. And, of course, he does what the drowning people do. And they, like, grab on you. So, finally, three of us have to grab him and pull him back to the rock. And then I wouldn't leave the rock. No, I, like, was like, I live here now, so... Yeah. Bye, everybody. They had to give me two life jackets. <laughs> <laughs> we 
we had to steal floaties from the kids swimming next to us so that we could bring them out to you to bring you back. I guess we should like, oh, by the way, you're listening to your Queer Story podcast. Your Queer Story. Welcome, Queerstians. We're happy to have you today. And today we're actually going to talk about... Brenda Howard. Yes, she was an intersectional, bisexual, polyamorous activist. She's huge. Um, well, her accomplishments are huge in the queer community. Her name is not so well known, and we don't know why. Well, actually, we have a couple of theories, but we'll get to that soon. But, um, yeah, but so though you bisexuals who have been hanging on, waiting for us to uh, get around, we're sorry it took so long, but we're here. We're with a, with a, a really strong... Uh, uh, figure in queer history, Brenda Howard. Um, but we do want to quickly thank our listeners, everyone who's been coming, downloading our podcast, sharing our podcast, uh, getting on our social media. Those of you who have been in our um, support group online, we appreciate it. Keep helping others. Keep reaching out for help. Those of you on our Instagram who are sharing your stories. I was talking to a couple of people this week awesome. who are sending me their stories to share on our Instagram wall, checking out our Pinterest and all our cool boards there. Um, everything. Yeah, you can find us literally everywhere. everywhere. If you have social media, no matter what you have, if you look up your queer story, I promise you will be there. Yep, promise. So look up at your queer story and all your social media. Check us out. Uh, like us, friend us, whatever it is that you do. Follow us. Um, stalk sure. us. Stalk us, absolutely. Sit outside our house No, don't night. do that. I've watched way... Peek through our Did windows. Did you see? I actually added one of the YouTubers who I watched with the scary content. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I have a bone to pick with you. I really like the videos you make, but now I'm a grown-ass man walking around my house, peeking around the corner with flashlights. It's your own fault. You watch <laughs> them. I refuse to watch any kind of no, scary movies. they like... It's like real stuff, though. It's not like ghost stuff. It's like real, like. Well, clips. then why? Why are you watching I, it? I don't know because I feel like I needed to be educated that there's a real thing <laughs> I don't in the think world. You need to. No, there's a lot of awful things in the world. You don't need to know about it. I, I wish I hadn't. Ignorance is bliss. Ig- yes, that's right. Ignorance is bliss. Stay uh, ignorant. No, no, but do. So, um, <laughs> um, remember, if you're listening on our website or somewhere that's a little complicated to get to, you can find us on several apps that will make things a little bit easier for you. We are on iTunes, Google, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Yes. Um, tune in, and if you have some obscure podcast app, a lot of them actually pull their feed from iTunes. Yep. So, literally, just look your queer story up, and I promise you will be there. Yep, that's um, right. And you can always listen on our website at yourqueerstory.com if you want to as well. And we have officially launched our Patreon. Yay! So come on our Patreon page for those of you who um, you want to donate to our page, but maybe you can't do it through our Audible. You know, with our Audible, we give people a discount if they sign up for Audible, but it's only a one-time thing, and you got to put in your credit card information. Sometimes people don't want to do that. We suggest downloading Audible because it is an amazing app. But if you don't want to do that, our Patreon page has donations everywhere from $1 to $20. And so even if you just gave us a dollar a month, if our listeners just gave us a dollar a month, it would take take care of our website hosting, music, uh, different random fees that we have for all the things that we like to do. So, And it would also allow us to do a little bit of more advertisement, yeah. which will help grow our base even more, spreading the history and education that we are trying to teach to everyone. Exactly. Getting out, you know, creating a good resource and a good foundation for the queer community. So, like I said, a dollar a day, there's five dollars. Dollar a month. month. Sorry, not dollar a day. A dollar a month, five dollars and twenty dollars are your... And two. And two. Oh, yeah, and two dollars. Yeah. And there's two dollars as well. So, you know, if you want to give a little extra. Um, so, yeah, go to our Patreon that is at... Patreon.com slash your queer story. Um, if you donate a dollar a month, it's just like a little tip jar. Um, Two dollars and up will start giving you access to behind the scenes content, yep. um, which we are actually hashing out what exactly that means. It's definitely going to be at least some blooper wheels, probably some blooper wheels. Is that going to be in there? Blooper reels. Blo- what did I say? You said blooper wheels. Oh, well, if you want to see me doing some rolls, <laughs> I mean. I do some pretty good body rolls. I don't know what that means. Cartwheels? Yeah. Wow. How did you even get those two mixed up? I don't know. I'm thinking of bloopers and I'm thinking of cartwheels and I put them together. It was a blooper wheel. There you go. Um, but, but yeah. Blooper reels. Uh, we'll also have some videos on there that we know we're going to be posting on our Patreon page about relevant topics. So if you want to hear Paul and I talk even more about our thoughts and ideas about things. Especially current events. That. Yeah. Current events will be more and that'll be for Patreon page. 
Um, we'll have a signed postcard with a little thank you note, handwritten thank you note from Paul and I for those of you who donate to the $5 category plus uh, the behind the scenes access. And then for $20, we've got um, we've got a we've got all those previous mentions plus we will have a group facebook chat that you can get in on with us that we will keep going you will have direct access to our conversations 24 if hours if you want to open yourself up to that kind of day. harassment you are welcome to <laughs> and we've listed our goals too so um once we hit 50 dollars a month in patreon donations we are going to do a youtube video with a challenge of your choice so if you want to see us do the cinnamon challenge and why throw are up, you giving them suggestions if, how about a nice <laughs> challenge how about a nap challenge who can nap the longest that's a good do you challenge. Lose? <laughs> it doesn't count if you get drunk and pass out if you want to see us do like the baking soda and vinegar challenge that one's fun just find the worst challenges on on youtube <laughs> the worst so if you want to see us do a challenge also um once we hit like 300 a month and stuff we're gonna do things like hire an audio engineer so for yep. anyone who's having um issues with, with audio, like, audio still. um those will be fixed and just great things that are going to help us grow and expand our podcast to more people and hopefully help more people because that's our end right. game. And goal. remember, this is not just a podcast for us. This is a whole platform. Like, we are all about connecting people, creating communities, like face-to-face communities in your area, uh, having an online support group. So this is a lot of stuff that we do. But anyway, so now, get on Patreon at Your Queer Story um, and, you know, donate if you can. Um, check us out on social media, download our, our podcasts, and I think that's enough of... That's enough chit-chat, I enough think. Enough business. So let's talk about Brenda Howard. All right. So on November 2nd, 1969, several attendees of the Eastern Regional Conference of Homophile Organizations, or ERCO, put forth a resolution that proposed the first Pride Month to be held in New York City. The group of open homosexuals was still reeling for the riots that had erupted outside of Stonewall just five months earlier. The exact wording of the proposal read, We propose that a demonstration be held annually on the last Saturday in June in New York City to commemorate the 1969 spontaneous demonstrations on Christopher Street, and this demonstration shall be called the Christopher Street Liberation Day. No dress or age regulations shall be made for this demonstration. We also propose that we contact homophile organizations throughout the country and suggest that they hold parallel demonstrations on that day. We propose a nationwide show of support. So guess what, everybody? Pride Month and Pride Parade didn't just fucking happen. No, it didn't just appear. It wasn't like a bunch of gay people got together and like... I guess we should march down the street together. <laughs> that would be fun, though. Be, Just well, a actually, random day. To be to be fair, that kind of actually did happen on the very first. Well, one. yeah, the very but, first yeah. one, but the official organized yearly event. Yeah, yeah. That I mean that 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 was planned, you know. Yeah. So at the time, these unassuming individuals could have had no idea of the incredible and long-lasting impact this march would have. Indeed, many feared such an open demonstration would further alienate the public's opinion of the homophile movement. It's important for our listeners to understand that while Stonewall sparked a revolt within the gay community, it also caused a fresh wave of outrage against queer individuals to spread across the nation. There were several prominent gay organizations that refused to participate in the march from the beginning, most notably the Madison Society of New York City. Regardless of the opposition, the organizing committee set to work in January of 1970, preparing for Sunday, June 28th, the anniversary of Stonewall. Among the planners was a woman by the name of Brenda Howard. Yeah, so, um, where was I going to say? Um, yeah, just reminding people about Stonewall because everyone, we've talked about this before, but it, like Stonewall, yes, it, it sparked this inner revolt, but there was public back- backlash. I mean, mm-hmm. people had rioted in the streets. It's not like the public looked at that favorably. It's not like they even looked and said, oh, wow, these people are rioting. I guess we need to pay attention to them. And I just saw that out there because Paul and I, we have different views on riot rioting and, and like... What do you mean? Because I'm very anti-rioting. I'm very Oh, no, anti- I want to I love it. I know, I'm that's like, what I mean. Let's fucking go! Exactly, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm very much against it. No, I'm, much- not, I'm not for, like, burning shops down and things like that. Yeah. But I definitely think that if it's needed, 
you definitely need to get out there and show that you can, we're but you can here. march without ruining people's property. Well, I don't want to ruin people's property. Well, that's not mar- rioting, and that's marching. No, I want to riot. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. That's what I mean, and that's I think that's the argument that goes today. There's people that believe in marching for our rights, and there's people that believe in rioting for our rights, and it's a, it's a, it's a split. Like I was having a conversation with someone who's becoming a good friend of mine, and we we agree like very like black and white different on this, like. Uh, they're very much for rioting and using, uh, I don't want to say violence, but you know. I don't want violence or destruction, but I want it to be known like, it can be loud, it can be crazy. Just don't flip cars and set them on fire. Yeah. But the, but the, I think it, I feel like it gets out of control easy. Like, Well, it gets out of control when the opposition comes and start use, starts using like derogatory language or remarks. Uh, but people say that, but that's not always true. Yeah, People are like, right. oh, we were we were uh, we were provoked. Like just last week, there was a riot. Which by the time this um, podcast drops, there's two. It's it'll be two weeks. But there was a riot where there was supposed to be a unite the right uh, protest in. I think it was in Washington. I don't remember where. Which unite the right is the very alt right neo Nazis. Okay, there was supposed to be this protest. Um, this Unite the Right protest, but the people were blocked off. The Unite the Right protesters were blocked off. No one could get to them. So the Antifa crowd was off to the side and then uh, going off, they started, because they couldn't get to the Unite the Right people, they started attacking reporters. You know, like, get that camera out of my face. We don't want to be filmed. We get to control the narrative as they're causing destruction up and down the street. That's my problem. Yeah, like, that's not okay. It's one thing if you if there's a neo-Nazi in your face and, you know, they throw a fist and you, you you punch them back. It's another thing when you can't pick a fight with someone, so you go find someone to pick a fight with. That's my problem. Yeah, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Maybe I am more pro-March, but I just like loud things. Yeah, I well, think. we're going to talk a lot about that this uh, episode. So you'll have a lot to think about, people, because this is a lot about, like, the the, the divide. Because that's what the Madison Society was. And and a lot of people can call them out and say, well, they were, the Madison Society didn't want to be a part of this big demonstration. They thought it would paint the, um, the gay movement in a bad light. Light. And then, of course, the Christopher Day Liberation uh, marchers felt like it was necessary. So, um, but I, I don't know where I was going with that. I was talking about how Stonewall, I was just oh, pointing yeah, out yeah, yeah. that Stonewall had negative, although in, it's remembered so fondly at the time, it had very negative, like, consequences. Yes, it had consequences, um, but it sparked the community coming together. Yes, it did. So it was needed. Absolutely. That was my point. I know, that's your point, yeah. Hey Queerstians, thanks for listening to today's episode of Your Queer Story. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with your free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I love Audible. I have had my subscription for over two years and it is worth every single penny. I listen to it all the time. I hate to read, but I love listening to things while I work. Audible gives me the opportunity to listen to the best-selling books, while I'm at my computer or driving and makes the day fly by. And the best part is that Audible offers a wide variety of queer-friendly books as well. So you can listen to anything from The Queer History of the United States by Michael Bronski to over 200 LGBTQ fantasy novels. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com queer. Again, that's audibletrial.com queer for your free audiobook. Alright, so not much is known of Brenda Howard's early life. Actually, not much is known of Brenda in general. We do know that she was born in the Bronx of New York City on Christmas Eve 1946. Though we don't know if being born on Christmas meant anything to her because her family was Jewish. She attended and graduated from Syosset High School on Long Island in 1964. The school is a very prominent public high school that has consistently been ranked one of the top public high schools in the country to this day and has counted famous visitors amongst its halls, such as Eleanor Roosevelt. After graduation, Brenda became involved in the anti-war protests as frustration about Vietnam plagued the country. She even went so far as to join a commune of anti-war activists in Brooklyn, New York. She was in a commune. She was in a commune, and at a young age, at like 18, you know, she was living on this commune. She's I don't want to say crazy. She's like... She is hard. She's got her shit together at a young age. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. That's true. Around this time, Brenda also began to question the ultimate authority placed on men by society. It was at this time that she joined the rising feminist movement. While women's rights advocates had been fighting for female equality for some time, the 1960s brought a fresh wave of enthusiasm to the feminist camp. A book written by Simone de Beauvier 
titled The Second Sex, had been translated into English in 1953 and, and since sparked new conversation around a woman's place in the world. De Bouvier had pointed out the inconsistencies in employment, pay, support among male partners, societal prejudices, and more. So basically everything that's still an issue today. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Back in 1953, she actually her, she wrote it even before then. It was translated yeah, in exactly. 1953. So her writings urged the formation of the Women's Liberation Front, which later became a cornerstone of modern-day feminism. It was actually for the second wave feminism. There have been four waves of feminism, but this was the second one because the first wave was like the women's suffragette movement, mm-hmm. and this sparked like a second wave. Of, okay, now that we are equal quote unquote. Now, now we now that we can vote. Right, yeah. Now that we can actually have some say, let's become equal. Exactly, right. Yeah. You gave us the right to vote. We have a couple women by now that have been in pol- you know, voted in as politicians, but we're still most women are still being forced to stay at home. You know, they're facing harsh backlash if they try to go out and get a, a job, at least any job of substance. Right. Unless you know. they're like a maid or something. Exactly. There's still a lot of like prejudice if a woman decides to divorce her husband. If her husband divorces her, well, that's what men do. But if the woman divorces her husband, well, you shouldn't do that. Who's going to take care of you? Actually, I'm watching a show called The Marvelous Miss Maisel on Amazon Prime. If you want to check it out. And it's about this era where the 1950s, her husband leaves her and everyone's like, ah. And so she decides to get it like get into her own profession and people are like oh honey no you have to have a husband how are you gonna do it what are you doing what do you mean you're gonna run something <sighs> i don't know your husband left you are you sure you can do that i don't know you that's fine then everyone keeps urging her to get married they're like you have to get married how are you gonna support yourself <laughs> in september of 1968 hundreds of women protested outside of the miss america pageant in atlantic city Their anger directed at the misogynistic standards of beauty and femininity used to oppress women in society. Legend has it that the women then burned their bras and the second wave of feminism was born. This was exactly the kind of movement that Brenda wanted to be a part of. Of course, because she was like, we're all going to take our bras off and burn them. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, let's do it, guys. You take yours off first, and I'll, I, I got to make sure you take them okay, off Okay, so the, oh, no, oh, there's just a couple of lesbians taking their bras off, and then someone was like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're, we're burning these in protest of the patriarchy. It has nothing to do with the fact that we want to get naked together. No, no, but this is the series. These women really were protesting but yes. yeah <laughs> so so this is the kind of movement brenda wanted to be a part of and she threw herself in wholeheartedly however she had a problem she liked women like if you didn't cut down from our <laughs> previous comments like more than just friends she also liked men too brenda was a bisexual and proud of it even in an era where most people had no clue what a bisexual was people were still trying to figure out like what gay and lesbian was right because it had been so erased exactly any kind of popular media mm-hmm. uh this is the 50s and 60s yeah. so hollywood had blacklisted it for 20 30 years now yep. so i mean there was no so we every had the think about it scare, right you so know? think about it she's 18 19 at this time 20 yep. maybe i don't know right around here mm-hmm. um her whole life she's never there's never been a gay person in tv because it had been blacklisted the whole time so to her and everybody her age like the thought of somebody not only being gay but also being bi Bisexual. was like like what? Wait, wait, what? What? Yeah, it's like almost like people could understand someone being gay or being lesbian, but to be like, what? What do you mean you like both? Huh? You mean you just haven't found the right man yet? That's what you're telling me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, but the second wave feminism was wary of lesbian and bisexual women. They were afraid that man hating lesbians, a term some straight feminists used, would hinder their cause. Del Martin from our episode on the daughters of Belides the first official lesbian organization in the country, once called out the National Organization of Women's Leader, Betty Friedan. Betty Friedman is such a homophobe. She was so afraid of the stigma lesbians might bring to the organization as soon as I was on the board of NOW, the National Organization of Women, she was on the phone to the New York Times telling them that lesbians are ruining the movement and that some of them had tried to seduce her. Oh my god, it's a typical straight person. Ugh. Well, I don't have a problem with you being gay as long as you don't try to, like, t- touch me or, like, exactly. try, to, try to get no. me. No, it's like, so when I'm living as a lesbian, you know, before I came out as a trans man, and I'm living as a lesbian and I go to gay bars 
and I would hit on women and they'd be like, oh, no, 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 I'm straight. I'd be like, okay, well, I don't know why you're having a fucking panic attack, honey. You're here in a gay bar. I'm a woman. You're a woman in a gay bar. I'm going to fucking hit on you. And if you don't want to do it, you know, if you don't, like, want to pick me up on it. I'm not interested. Like, yeah, no, but why are you, I, here's, let me tell you something. All you straight girls go into the gay bars for your bachelorette parties. That's fine. I get it. It's a safe place. You don't have to worry about getting harassed. And it's a lot of fucking fun. It's a lot of fun. We get it. But don't go into a gay bar and get offended at the lesbians hit on you. If you can't handle it, don't fucking go in there. Don't be, don't be two-faced in your support of the queer community. Right. You're going there because it's a safe space. Guess what? It's our safe space. So Yeah, exactly. We <laughs> had to create that safe space. So if you're offended that a lesbian's hitting on you, you're in the wrong fucking place, honey. Exactly. I'm going to go to the gay bar so I can hang out with my gay best friend, but I'm going to be super offended by any woman that hits on me. That's my thoughts on that. Not how it works. Not how that works. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's you. While Howard remains a staunch feminist her entire life, it is most likely that her activism was turned to other causes after she was rejected by mainstream feminists for her orientation. Brenda instead spent the last half of the 60s protesting the Vietnam War and partying in Greenwich Village. She enjoyed nights at the Stonewall Inn like every other queer person in the area, and the night the police raided the bar, several of Howard's close friends were engaged in the violence and commotion. The Stonewall riots were a turning point for everyone in the queer community, It seems that night she found her true calling. A month later, Howard organized the Christopher Street Liberation Day March. She was 22 years old. Yeah. What were you doing at 22? Oh, my... Uh, actually, at twenty two, I was I was graduating from my cold college. Well, I was you were graduating? attempting to graduate. <laughs> okay, I was expelled right before graduation, but I was close to graduating from my cold college. But at twenty three, um, I was working at Speedway and drinking every day. So at twenty two, when we had my twenty first birthday, actually, I had just moved out here. Yep. Um, with you. And I'm pretty sure that's the period where we would get drunk on your couch every single night Mm -hmm. and either watch Miranda Sings do the yoga challenge (laughs) or... Whatever Miranda Sings. Yeah, any Miranda Sings video, any Family Guy episode, we would just get belligerent drunk. watch, like, Celine Dion videos. No, you would watch Celine Dion. (laughs) You would watch Celine Dion videos and scream the lyrics and cry (laughs) as you were singing them. And Paul would just sit over in the corner and and watch me. I would sit there with a glass in my hand and just sip and watch (laughs) and be like, this is a shit show, but it's a good shit show. (laughs) This is also when you got swindled by... You got swindled for eight hundred dollars. Oh yeah, that. you're so mad about it. I haven't been mad about it to this day. Cause that jackass. <laughs> I I'll don't find even care. One day. I care. It happened. It's in the past. You know what? I learned and I lived. And I be careful on. what car dealerships you go to because it's not a thing of the past. There are still crooked car dealerships out there that will swindle you for your last penny. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but twenty-two years old, Brenda Howard is organizing spontaneously. Just a spontaneous. Uh, you know, March to commemorate the Stonewall Inn riots that happened just a month earlier. And, I mean, when she officially organized it, she must have been 23, or, like, being close to 23, like, the next year. I mean, year. she was close, yeah. Yeah. So, she oh, yeah. cemented something that goes on around the world at 23 years old. Think about that. 23 years Every old. Every single June, everywhere, mm-hmm. there's huge pride parades and pride months and pride marches and pride everything. For 48 years. She'd organized that at 23, so... 48 or 22, years. 22. 22. Brenda Howard started a near 50-year tradition. Definitely going to be 50 years. I don't see us not doing that. No, this is going to go year. on forever. This is going to be permanent. <laughs> yes. it, not only is it such, so good for a community, there's way too much money in it. Businesses would never, oh, yeah, yeah. Businesses would never let it go under. It's almost the Super Bowl at this point. It pre- I mean, it pretty <laughs> much is. It's a lot more fun to watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this parade was one of the first times in history that LGBT people came out and proudly announced their identities to the world. However, it certainly wasn't like the parades we experience today. This march was a very solemn demonstration full of pain, anger, and desperation. It was necessary, and those who walked painted a proverbial tar- target on their backs. However, gathering together and uniting against a common enemy was also inspiring, and the marches resolved and the marchers resolved to hold the parade again the next year. Brenda set to work planning the event. There were several people involved in organizing the parade, such as Craig Rodwell, 
Fred Sargent, Ellen Broidley, Judy Miller, and more. But Brenda was the head coordinator, and because of this, she has been given the title the Mother of Pride. This also has to do with the fact that Brenda is given credit for coining the term Pride and establishing a week-long festival of events that celebrate the queer lifestyle. Howard never seemed ashamed of who she was, and she wanted others to feel the same. Gay activist Tom Limicelli once said, The next time someone asks you why LGBT Pride marches exists, exist, or why Pride Month is June, tell them a bisexual woman named Brenda Howard thought it should be. Yeah, so she, like, coins the word Pride. That's why we call it Pride. And she set up all the best. Like, she was like, we're not just going to have a march. We're going to have, like, a whole set of slew of events. And we're going to have it in June every year, and we're going to call it Pride. Literally, June exists because of Brenda Howard. 100%. So a date was set for June 28, 1970, and the march was scheduled to be held in the same spot as it had the year before, down Christopher Street. As momentum built, those who originally opposed the idea began to throw in their support. Oh, surprise, when it's a successful thing. Now that it's popular, (laughs) members of the Gay Liberation Front, the Gay Activist Alliance, and the homophile youth movement in neighborhoods all chipped in to help manage the logistics of the parade. Several gay organizations across the country sent in donations, and in April of that year, the Madison organization finally broke and got on board, like two months before. Finally... When that Sunday morning arrived, demonstrators began to gather on the Christopher Street. Just two hours before the parade was to start, city officials delivered the necessary permit. They, they really held out to the last second. They were they were like, well, maybe if we just wait, they won't. Yeah, they'll, they'll just maybe call they them. won't come. <laughs> and they just and they were all. More you know what the funny people. thing is? That you know they were all on the street, and they were like, if we don't get the permit, we're still. There. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're we're like we're walking down the street, motherfucker. So you can give us a permit, and you can clear the way, or we're just gonna be walking around cars. And remember, Stonewall bitches. Exactly. So while many expected to face harsh opposition, the march actually went on with little fearance at all. The New York Times reported on the scene. Hundreds of onlookers gathered. Some eagerly clicked their cameras, others tittered. Many were obviously startled by the scene. There was a little open animosity, and some bystanders applauded when a tall, pretty girl carrying a sign, I am a lesbian, walked by. And you know who applauded? All All the fucking Christian men who were standing on the (laughs) side. Bravo! You're going to kiss another girl. (laughs) But but don't let those two guys kiss. I just want to see the two girls kiss. Exactly, yeah. You're applauding for the pretty lesbian. And New York wasn't the only place to have a march. Chicago, L.A., and other cities all over the country hosted open displays of gay pride. Which, real quick, by the way, shout out. I love Providence Pride. Don't get me wrong. It's fucking Mm -hmm. amazing. But one of my best memories is Chicago Pride. Yeah. We literally... Okay. Literally... Everybody that was there, like, broke down the barricades, and we were yeah. all in the parade. Literally, everybody in Chicago was fucking marching down the street. It Chicago was incredible. Is so cool. Chicago, everybody starts drinking, a, like, first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up. They kept moving <laughs> the time of the Chicago Pride Parade up because they were tired of people drinking. They're like, oh, well, if we move it at noon, people won't be drunk. They're like, oh, if we move it at 10, people won't be drunk. But nobody gave a fuck. Everyone's like, no, we've been drinking since 6 a.m. this morning. Actually, we didn't even go to sleep since last <laughs> night. So I don't know what... The, you can move this up to 8 o'clock. We're still drinking, bitches. So everybody's drunk. It's such a great display. It's just like... Oh, everyone's just dancing, and and they're oh, it's amazing. It was and it was dancing in the street. That's the thing. Literally, it wasn't so so in Rhode Island. Like I said, I fucking love it. It is really it's a truly a great parade. ride. It's actually rated one of the best ten in the world. Yeah. Um, but it's very structured. Yeah. And Chicago's structured too, but I feel like it's more free. Like here, everybody ends up at like a specific bar, and yeah. they go like they have their destination for the night. And in Providence, I mean, in uh, Chicago, it's so open. You're like, I'm gonna start here, and I'm gonna party in the street, and I'm gonna join the parade, exactly. and then I'm gonna go to this bar, and then I'm gonna go over here. Yeah, and then these people are inviting me in their pool over on the street. I'm gonna come over here. We're, exactly, like, it's just so open. That's and fun. the thing, yeah, because Chicago's also down, and like it's in that part of town where like yeah, people have their houses, and then there's apartments, and then there's also bars. And so you're right. Like, you'll be walking past someone's house and be like, hey, you want to come party? And you go party because that entire section of Chicago is gay. It's called Boys Town. And, mm-hmm. like, everybody that lives there is gay. It's amazing. It's off Chicago. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Brenda, Brenda Howard had just begun her lifelong journey of LGBTQ activism. She had already joined the Gay Liberation Front, a group formed in the days immediately following the Stonewall Riots. The Gay Liberation Front was a very militant organization 
and militant is a word that often comes up when discussing Brenda Howard. While progressive in many of their views, such a racial, such as racial equality and the elimination of gender roles, the GLF also condoned violence and damage to property if it suited their particular agenda. They were very much about demanding their rights and felt like older generations, such as the Madison Society, were hindering queer progress. Other members of the GLS included Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, two transgender women of color who would go on to found STAR, which is Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. This was a home for trans youth who had become homeless. Um, they became homeless because their families rejected them. Uh, Martha Shelley was another member of the GLF and would later go on to found the Lavender Menace, a lesbian feminist organization. So, Brenda and members of the Gay Liberation Front believed that heterosexuality was a dying social structure that needed to be rebuilt without gender roles. They openly attacked the nuclear family, which is a father, mother, and children all in their societal and patriarchal roles. You know, the dad's the head of the house, and then the mom, and then the children The mom's a housewife who cleans the house and cooks dinner. The dad goes to work. The kids respect them and never talk back. And they go to church every Sunday and Saturday and probably Wednesdays too. (laughs) Yep. But the group opposed the term homosexual as well because it also classified sexual roles and they insisted that everyone's sexuality was fluid. One member stated that definitive orientations were artificial categories defining human sexuality which protect and perpetuate the institutions and systems in power whose end result is only to dehumanize life. Yep, and to fight these gender and sexual roles, the GLF would infiltrate gay bars or clubs and begin dancing in mixed pairs, breaking up the same-sex partners in an attempt to drive home their point that gender and sex were non-binary. They also believed that monogamy was a government trap and instead supported polyamory. So the GLF... What? Um, Just... Can you explain the difference between polygamy and polyamory? Yes, so polygamy and polyamory. Polygamy is typically... It's a religious term... Um, it's not a religious term, but it's used by religious organizations. Most, um, notorious would be the Mormons, but it's one man married to several women. Polyamory is an open relationship where everyone can have multiple partners if they choose. Sometimes, uh, a partner, you know, a man and a wife or, you know, man, you know, one couple will bring in a third person into their relationship together. Um, other times, They'll each have their own partners separately. Sometimes they'll just play together. It, there's a lot of different forms yeah. of polyamory. So it's basically free love. Like Yes, it's free love. It's but not also constrictive. In a, right, free love, not constrictive, but it's also more of a relationship. It's not just like an open oh, relationship. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. It's like three people or more who are all involved together, and they're all in an equal relationship. Exactly. And I think that's the difference. Yes, um, they are committed relationships, but they're just their commitment looks different for them, and they, you know, they have their own rules, and every everyone is different in what they come up with for their polyamorous re- relationship. But it is not sexist and destructive like polygamy, where you just have one jackass who believes that he should have ten wives, and his wives should just all want to suck his dick. Right. So, um, but also about the Gay Liberation Front. So, the, uh, what reminded me a lot of the Gay Liberation Front was Antifa. And that's because the the GLF was very much, it was a very anti-government, anti-anyone who opposes us, very young group of people, very in your face. And if you defer with us on the slightest, like if we disagree on the little, littlest thing, you're probably an enemy and I don't want to talk to you anymore. It, it was very immature. And that's just my my personal point of view. Um, you know, I get what they were saying. I mean, I understand that they're like, nothing is binary. Sex isn't binary. Gender roles aren't binary. We have to be non-binary. But the thing was that they were going out and they were trying to force everyone to be non-binary in all their expressions. And that's, and even if you, I support a non-binary world, I don't support like harassing people, especially in the fucking 1970s. And here's, you know, here's where I differ a little bit because yeah. I agree that they shouldn't be violent and they shouldn't be mm-hmm. forcing it down people's throat but i think really they just wanted to spread understanding and acceptance but then again we we also have to look at today's parallels where mm-hmm. a lot of people will support you and a lot of people will believe that and i think everybody should be accepting of it but you have to remember that everybody has their different beliefs and views too and we do have to respect that we don't have to agree with that yeah but I mean, the religious right is always going to be the religious right, and we're never going to convince them, at least not all of them, 
that everything in the LGBT community is okay. Yeah. And they're allowed to believe that. That's part of being human. But we can continue to fight for our equality and our progressivity. I don't know what word I was trying. Progressiveness. Well, I wanted to make a better word. Okay, progressivity. (laughs) (laughs) I just think, for me, it's just that I'm all, it's not about not fighting for your rights. It's about how you fight for your rights. It's about understanding. But I also come from a different spot. I come from the person who was on the other side of the protest line. I protested against gay marriage as a young person. I was very anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-anything LGBTQ. And I know that those people on that side are humans who just don't know. And when you scream in their face and call them pigs and scum and disgusting you're not winning them over and you're not opening a dialogue so that they can learn and come to your side. You're just trying to eliminate an entire group of people rather than trying to change hearts and minds. That's my problem. Yeah. So that's also something I agree with. You can't be so attack. You can't attack and attack and attack. Um, Every person who disagrees with you isn't scum. I think it's the harsh language that we use. Yeah. There needs to be more educational discussion. But then also the problem is when you try to talk to those people in an educated manner, they're like, well, Jesus said this. and blah, Yeah, blah. And it's, it's frustrating. And they have they will not reason with you by any means. They will only... They're brainwashed. They won't reason with you. But they're listening. See, when I was on the, that side of the fence screaming, you know, um, all... F's need to burn in hell, and we hate the F's because that was. And this was because he grew up in a religious cult. I grew up in a religious cult. If you haven't been listening, yeah. And when I was screaming like all these obscenities against queer people, no, I wasn't listening to what they were. I I mean, no, I wasn't agreeing with what they were saying. I would never have agreed with them, but I was listening. In my mind, I was watching them and I was listening. And whenever they were patient and they were kind and they were tolerant, that stuck with me. And I could look at my side and see how ridiculous we were acting. And I could look at their side and be like, that's really what I want. Yeah. But do you think that could be because you were also knew you were queer? It could have been. I mean, but, you didn't know you were queer, but like you, I mean, you were. So maybe yeah. like. But also, but my friends that have left the church since then that are not queer have said the same things. Hmm. You know, Very, like they're, see, they're sh- it's always good to hear some perspective from the other side. Yeah. So all of this was very formative in the early life of young Brenda Howard. Until her death in 2005, Brenda would hold fast to these beliefs and always identified as a polyamorous bisexual, which caused her to be a minority in an already marginalized community. Perhaps that could be why she has literally been erased from queer history. Unlike activists such as Bayard Rustin, who simply had his story buried, Brenda Howard's story has been reduced to a list of phenomenal achievements with no backstory or personal information. It almost feels like people wanted to forget Brenda Howard, yet their own history would not allow them. Yeah, so um, Evan did a lot of research, and I was looking into doing some research Mm -hmm. as well. And I, like, literally a YouTube or a Google search, because I get a lot of my information from those two places, um, like, she was just, like, not even on there. I looked up no. Brenda Howard on YouTube, and one of the first, <laughs> one of the first um, results was, like, this woman country religious singer who yeah. just happened to be named Brenda Howard. Like, if you look up literally any other queer person on YouTube, no matter, right there, right like, they'll the be, like, one of the first, like, five results, but Brenda Howard was not even on there. There was no documentary. There was nothing. She was not in a single book that I used for research. Not a mention. Not in my gay, lesbian, transgender encyclopedia. Not in a queer history of the United States. Not in, uh, like, the gay revolution. Like, nothing that I use. And not to say that she's not in any books, just the ones that I use for a bulk of my research, that I, they're my personal books, nothing and i was like i was shocked you know so and we talked there's a war you know in the bisexual community there is the term bi erasure which is the erasure of bisexual people like they don't matter as much because they like both genders like somehow they're not as much involved in the you know the queer in queer rights there's Um, a lot of stigma against bi people unfortunately because like you know, gay people, I, I, not personally me, I've never like come across the situation where Mm -hmm. I was presented with the opportunity to go on a date with a bi person. Like that never happened for me, but a lot of my friends and a lot of people I know 
they're like, I would never date a bi person. They're going to cheat oh, yeah. on me that's with that's like a son. common. That's a common conversation that you hear people having. It's common on YouTube. There's like videos of lesbians being like, well, I would never date a bisexual. Now, how? like, I don't understand how they would be more likely to cheat on you than any other person. I don't Just know. like, is the, is the thought process that they won't get their fulfillment because they like both? But like, you can... Yeah, I I don't know. I don't the, know. There's like a fear of being left. It's like yes, a you're, fear of not being enough. Maybe maybe, maybe not being the, enough. Yeah, maybe that's the fear. I feel like there's a bigger fear of like being left for well, at least when I was living as a as a woman, it like being left for uh, another woman than for being left for a man. Which now I have a bigger fear of being left for another man. <laughs> but but it's like. You know, like, I don't know. Would you be, like, more shocked if David left you for another guy or if he left you for another woman? <laughs> I know David would never leave me for another woman. But what if he did? If he did, I would be shocked. I don't know if it would hurt more. Yeah. But I would be, like, my Ford. mind, like, yeah, I would, like, question everything. <laughs> yeah. I would be really confused. Yeah. But the truth, you know, uh, yeah. I don't know. There is, but there is a fear out there. There's a lot of stuff of people just, you know, refusing to date bisexual uh, individuals, having a stigma against bisexual individuals that they're more likely to cheat, which is crap. And like we clearly see here, by erasure. I mean, this woman founded Pride, and she's got like four paragraphs on the internet. And whatever website you go to, it's the same four fucking paragraphs. Yeah. People are like, "Well, I didn't want to do any research, so I need to include this person." I guess. Yeah, I, I guess had she to was dig a little bit important. Deep to find stuff. Like I, I was like digging. Anyways, back to the GLF. A few chapters were established in the UK and Canada. However. After just three years, the organization crumbled due to internal fighting, which if you're going to be a really rebellious group and you're going to be all in, the, all in other people's faces, you're probably not going to agree on a lot of things and you're all going to fight and just crumble. Well, if you're constantly looking to pick a fight with people, eventually you're going to pick a fight with each other. Right. Because you eventually know? people are going to be like, right, whatever. Brenda was not left without a home for her activism, though. She had also helped to found the Gay Activist Alliance, which was a more mature and stable outfit. Part of this was due to the group's ability to stay focused on one issue rather than trying to solve the world's entire problems the way the GLF had tried to. The GAA was notorious for their zaps, a rowdy commotion they would create to draw media attention while a government official was speaking, particularly to harass and embarrass the official and to gain visibility to the queer community's discrimination. One of, the, one of their favorite targets was New York City Mayor John V. Lindsay. The GAA's constant protest calling Lindsay out may have helped. In 1972, Lindsay signed an executive order that prohibited New York City businesses or government institutions from firing individuals solely on their orientation. The Gay Activist Alliance would continue on for several decades and became one of the most prominent LGBTQ groups in the world, branching off into other queer institutes such as the Gay and Lesbian Task Force and PFLAG, Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. So while Brenda chaired on the GAA and continued heavily in her activism, she also attended Manhattan Community College. In 1978, she graduated with a degree in nursing. Remaining in New York City a central hub for LGBT activities, Brenda also began exploring other facets of her identity. We don't know exactly when, but we do know that by the mid-1970s, Brenda was heavily involved in the BDSM scene. For our listeners who do not know, BDSM stands for Bondage, Discipline, Sadism, and Masochism. This is a community enjoyed by people of all orientations, but leather bars in the LGBTQ world hold a special place. These are places where individuals who like to add a little spice to their sex play, or those who are committed to the lifestyle as a whole, go to enjoy some extra privacy surrounded by like-minded friends. Brenda was a regular at the local leather bars and claimed her title as a switch just as proudly as she claimed her titles of bisexual or polyamorous. Switches, you know, whether you like to be submissive or dominant. Again, this created controversy in the formalized gay liberation groups of which Brenda was a part. Many feared that too much exposure to the BDSM community would tarnish the image of the LGBT initiative. But Brenda wouldn't be shoved into a closet. In 1987, she was the female co-chair of the Leather Contingent for the now annual New York Gay Pride March. So I just want to make a point here. Our community has fought so hard for equality, and especially then. This was like the start of like our community being accepted. But 
just as everyone else in America does, we have to pick a community within our own to marginalize. Right, yeah. So at this time, when people were just starting to explore themselves, they're like, well, I'm gay, but at least I'm not a leather gay. At least right. I don't go there and I don't tie people up. Like, And a lot of our issues, like, it started at the beginning with trans trans people. There was a lot of issues with trans people. Then I went yep. into the leather, and we see throughout the decades different groups which are marginalized. And today, I feel like there's, again, an issue... Um, unfortunately, that with trans women, I feel like get trans a lot women. of discrimination within our own community. Yep, trans women, uh, people, uh, trans women do, and um, I also feel like a lot of non-binary individuals get discrimination because some um, gay and lesbians feel that they're infringing on our movement now, and you know, and of course, bisexual individuals are still facing harsh. Oh yeah, d- discrimination. So there's a lot of discrimination in our community that is fighting so hard for acceptance, and the BDSM community is often like, like they don't want to even be. I don't know. Like leather bars are huge in the LGBTQ world, but the BDSM community, we just want to like pretend like that that's not a part. Yeah, and it is different. It's not an orientation. It's a sexual um, preference. preference, but but there's nothing wrong with it. Miley Cyrus said it best: as long it is as it is consent, as long as there are no animals involved, and it is between two consenting adults, it's okay. And that's true. Whatever you like to do, that's on you. Explore it, enjoy it, have fun. Make sure that everybody's consenting and Make safe. Sure, and safe. Be safe. Don't bring any animals in it. I don't just gotta throw that fucking out there. Um, animals and children cannot consent. That's just a fucking fact of life. Mm-hmm. All right, I don't care what it is. Furries, that's a different story. Yeah. You want to dress up in an animal costume, you go at it. And I just want to make a point. Evan and I, no matter what you're facing in life, no matter who you are, no matter what you're into, as long as it's not with a child or animal, um, we're your ally. We're your support. If you yeah, ever need absolutely. anything, I want to make this point on every episode. You can message us directly on Twitter. I will respond to anyone. If you don't, mess- if you want to message me personally, there's a lot of links to my personal Twitter. If you want to message our page, like we will respond to you. We will. We are your ally, no matter yeah. who you are. Exactly. We are your ally. We support the marginalized communities, and we support people being able to love and express that love how they feel fit, or to have sex and express that sex how they feel mm-hmm. fit. Okay. So again, whatever you uh, want to do, as long as it's consensual, like we said, we support you and we're for it. And that's what Brenda was all about. I mean, like, mm-hmm. she was a very proud member of the BDSM community. For her, she advertised that just as freely as she advertised the fact that she was bisexual. Mm-hmm. And that's what people were worried about. They didn't want someone walking in the pride parade holding a sign that says, I'm a switch or, mm-hmm. you know, I like being dominated, which we see... Anyways, we see some some examples of that today. We see some examples of the kink community and pride parades today. Oh, but yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. but in the early 1970s, in the, uh, by now it's 1987. Nobody, they didn't want that. They were afraid it was shine a bad light. Mm-hmm. So due to the constant exclusion she felt as a bisexual woman within the gay and lesbian movement, Brenda went on to found the New York area bisexual network in 1987. The network is still set up today with phone lines, a P.O. box, and a Facebook page to advertise bisexual events, support groups, and general information. For almost 20 years, Brenda herself would man the phone lines to speak to those who had questions or were struggling. Which, by the way, that's pretty fucking incredible. Yeah, exactly. 20 years. In addition, she founded the first AA group specifically for bisexuals and would host meetings in the city. A co-worker at the Bi Network wrote about Brenda. Though she was humble, she could be loud when needed. In committee meetings, she was the person who wasn't satisfied until everything was perfect. She always demanded that we take the time to hear every voice and consider every option. She wouldn't accept anything but full rights and liberation. Brenda pushed us all to be better activists because she had the long view in mind. Think about how incredible that is. Yeah. Because a lot of times in modern culture and modern settings you'll have a group of people and they'll only hear the opinions of the people they want to hear the opinions of yeah they're like i know that person over there is going to have a problematic opinion or i know that person over there is going to think something different so i'm only going to ask the opinions of these four people right and then that person keeps raising their hand they're like yeah we'll get to you and you just keep skipping over to them over them because you don't want to hear what they have to say right and that's really unfortunate because think about how many different views and opinions people have um 
one thing I've always tried to do, even as a store manager, which may be why, maybe why it wasn't the career for me, but I always wanted to know everyone's opinion and I wanted yeah. to make sure that as a team we could move forward in the best way possible, which maybe in some situations works, um, different team environments, but maybe mm -hmm. not always as a store manager because I was supposed to always be following the company's ideals and <laughs> I didn't always agree with the company's ideals. <laughs> I don't, I, there's nothing wrong with getting your team's opinions. You just have to know when you can act on them and when you can't, mm -hmm. you know, but people giving their opinions, I, I believe if everyone has a voice, you get better ideas that way. You do a hundred percent. Yeah. And you can grow and develop as a person. Yeah. And I also like, if you missed that about her founding the first AA group for bisexuals, she was sober, you know, so she's doing all this stuff and she's completely sober and mm -hmm. props to her yeah. because shit, life is hard sober and life is really hard when you're an activist in the 1980s, you're a bisexual polyamorous switch in the 1980s. 90s and, and so on and you're sober kudos to you brenda that's incredible in 1988 brenda was arrested in chicago while prote protesting for better health care equal treatment for women and people of color and the aids crisis two years later she headed down to georgia to protest the firing of a lesbian from the state's attorney general office she was once again arrested in fact howard was arrested several times in her life all over the country always while protesting protesting for equal rights she was an in-your-face activist she fought for anyone who had their rights trampled on her longtime partner larry nelson commented brenda joined forces with bipac another bisexual organization in the area and began to lobby for bisexuals to be included in the 1993 march on washington up until this point bisexuals had no specific exposure and were often excluded from planning events or even having the term bisexual printed on any official gay liberation literature brenda and her friend lani kaahumanu both educated and challenged the committee for the march to begin treating bisexuals as the members of the community that they had always been the committee voted to include bisexuals to their title and the acronyms grew to lgb Side note, transgender activists also lobbied to add a T on for transgender um, to the gay movement's title. However, they did not win the committee's vote. This was for the 1993 uh, March. Mm -hmm. On April 25th, 1993, approximately 1 million LGBTQ individuals and their supporters descended on Washington. There were open demonstrations of same-sex marriages, religious leaders hosting spiritual ceremonies for queer individuals, signs and chantings and 16 speakers on at the rally's center the speakers included such people as ian mckellen madonna rupaul jesse jackson and more brenda's friend lonnie <laughs> okay lonnie <laughs> brenda's friend lonnie was the only open bisexual to speak but the LGBT community made their voices clear they were demanding to be seen as equals. Following the March on Washington, Brenda began to plan the 1994 Christopher Day Liberation Parade, which would commemorate the 25th anniversary of Stonewall. A friend and fellow activist would write of that time, I worked closely with Brenda on the Stonewall 25 March. Starting in 1992, we met monthly to arrange a 25th anniversary march in 1994 though it was overshadowed by the 1993 March on Washington. She carried the torch for a celebration of Stonewall in 94. Often we'd meet in a tiny room barely big enough for the four or five people attending the meetings. The march was a success, and for the first time, the LGBTQ community was beginning to celebrate their identities rather than simply demanding their rights to exist. This march would be one of the final events that Brenda would officially organize. Though she remained active on the LGBTQ scene, she began to slow down as she grew older. On June 28, 2005, exactly 31 years to the day of the first Pride Parade which Brenda organized, she passed away of colon cancer in her New York apartment. She was 58 years old and, as always, it was Pride Week in New York City, the perfect celebration of such a formidable figure in queer history. An anonymous friend writes, the common thread I see in all of her work, and the quality I admire about her most, is her ability to stick with projects for the long term. Some activists go after the issue of the day, but, but Brenda worked diligently on projects that involved nurturing for years. Whether it was the NYABN infoline, 
keeping the dream of SW25 alive, running support groups, or making sure that nobody would ever forget Stonewall, she was a persistence force. Her formal training was in nursing, which seems powerfully symbolic of how she helped the community. Today, Brenda is remembered through the Brenda Howard Award, which is bestowed by PFLAG, which recognizes an individual or organization that best exemplifies the vision, principles, and community service exemplified by the eight, by the late LGBT rights activist Brenda Howard, and who serves as a positive and visible role model for the bisexual community. That is Brenda Howard, and I thought it was very beautiful that she died on June 28th, 2005, like exactly 31 years, exactly 30 years from the first official parade, 31 from the one that she spontaneously mm-hmm. started, and uh, it was just a full circle moment, you know? It was, 100%. And uh, her, she was, you know, survived by her longtime partner, Larry Nelson, and, uh, you know, he talks about how they met... I forget where they met. They met up at some kind of meeting in 1994, and they were together for the next uh, 11 years mm-hmm. and always in a polyamorous relationship, but they were, you know, and he called himself her quote-unquote husband. They never officially got married. I don't know if that was because she didn't buy into marriage, which I wouldn't be surprised. She was very anti-government like, establishments, and marriage is a government establishment. Um, but, or, they, you know, maybe she felt like if, gay and lesbian people couldn't get married she shouldn't be able to i don't know why they didn't get married they didn't he didn't elaborate perhaps it had to do with their polyamorous yeah lifestyle you know know. there's a lot of reasons why they might not that people might choose not to get married i just know that he called herself for his he just called referred to himself as her husband but it was not in a legal way Mm -hmm. so your recommended resource for today is by bi by any other name bisexual people speak out that's by lani kahahumanu that woman who spoke at the 93 rally and um, who was good friends with Brenda Howard and Lorraine Hutchins, the other co-author. Also on Audible, you can download Black Like Us, a century of lesbian, gay, and bisexual African-American fiction. Um, and you can do that through our free trial of Audible that's on us. Just go to audibletrial.com slash queer. So thanks for stopping by. Haha, <laughs> get it? Bye, B-I. <laughs> Queerations. So stay queer. And don't get a lobotomy. And we love you, you succulent safest, and make sure that you read your queer Bible. So bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.